Hi, this is Kev Legs Walker, and you are about to hear a podcast of an interview that appeared on Shades of Blues here on The Cat. And there will be plenty more as we delve into the archives. Sit back and enjoy. I am delighted and thrilled to be having a bit of a catch-up with Mr. Mick Colassa, the prolific Mick Colassa. How are you, sir? <laughs> I'm doing great, Kev. How are you? I'm bearing up. I'm, yeah, it's it's <laughs> weird times at the moment, but uh, yeah. Isn't uh, when, that the truth? <laughs> when I say you're prolific, I mean, you released an album, what, uh, a month ago, two months ago? A, m- uh, a month ago. Yeah, I'm just guess. getting... Just getting 15, started. 15th of July, yes. And now you're releasing another one. They call me Uncle Mick, which is an acoustic album. Yes. You've got plans for an EP in October. Mm-hmm. And I also see there's there's a teaser about maybe doing a, a blues rock album. Well, there's actually another one before that. I've got a, an album of all love songs coming out early December as well. <laughs> that's a mixture of of electric and acoustic mostly originals some very original takes on some classic songs that not enough people understand are about relationships feeling all right isn't about partying it's about a divorce right. so, so, uh, so yeah uh and somebody planted the seed the other day that that i should uh see about getting together with a bunch of my guitar playing friends and just do a blues rock album and i i might do that you right. know call it uh, six friends and six strings or something right because <laughs> i i have seen postings from you and heard comments from you that blues is sort of losing its identity in some ways because of mm-hmm. the, the guitar thrashes yeah and uh a lot of what is being called blues, in my opinion, isn't. It's very good rock and roll. I've got nothing, no problem with it. But it's not blues. I, blues is a, a, a storytelling art form. And it's if we listen to all the blues songs, yes, there's a hook or a riff that we like. The classic blues songs, it's always about the story that's being told. It's the lyrics. Uh, like, say, Muddy Waters never, never played a 48-bar solo. so with a lot of it especially in 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 blues rock a lot of the the lyrics are throwaway and it's just something to give the guitar player a rest i can't do that the song has to be there first and foremost another important thing that that's funny i got to do a debate with some people it's by definition a song has lyrics and somebody says good friend says what what about an instrumental i said it's called an instrumental there's a reason Beethoven wasn't referred to as world's greatest songwriter. <laughs> you know, yeah. Ode Freude, it's got he's got lyrics for part of the Ninth Symphony, but other than that, <laughs> I mean, um, if you look back on the, the old jug bands and you know the bands from the 1920s, 1930s, their songs were almost like timepieces, a picture of that era. Oh, absolutely. Uh, you know, one of my one of my favorite songs that i actually redid i updated uh wc handy's beale street blues because he was talking about beale street at the time Mm. it was highly segregated deep south in the middle of prohibition and it tells a great story so i did i redid the song the the handy family thanked me for updating it because i talked about beale street today with you know (laughs) ladies about town and big ass beers (laughs) uh But yeah, uh, Memphis Mini stuff and and certainly all the jug band things. But 
we can go back to you know the field hollers mm, yeah <laughs> all always a story you know i'd love to point out a big boss man is not just a blues version of take this job and shove it it's a very interesting social commentary about being worked too hard but the amazing thing about it is that had he said that jimmy reed said that out loud to his boss he probably wouldn't have survived past sundown yeah yeah by putting it on a record his boss bought it and paid him to sing it it's it's <laughs> it's it's funny there's the, the, so looking at blues that way, and again, the, the stories are the amazing thing. Willie Dixon was a storyteller, and uh, I miss that in a lot of things. i got a lot of great friends who are amazing musicians and don't think about the importance of that story, you know, in the, in the song. You're very vocal on Facebook about social commentary and political commentary. So is that where you get some inspiration for your songs? Some of it. Some of it, uh, I've had a, coo- a few songs that, that have had a, a political bent to them. But for the most part, my songs are going to be about personal relationships and, and, and personal things. Uh, I think I had a song called In the Day, which I actually, I think it's 2015 when I wrote it. Uh, so it was before people were out to make America great again. And I said, you know, you, 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 you're talking about this past that never existed back when everything was perfect i said in the in the day uh those past your that past you're dreaming about is just a lie hear me say you forget the tears that emmett's mother cried so uh it's easy to gloss it's it's easy for well there's one set of a, of a former back when we thought ronald reagan was an old president uh that he had a deep nostalgia for a past that never existed and uh and i think there's there's a lot of that. So that's shown up in a couple of songs. But for the most part, you know, write about people, relationships, or just individuals, or uh, imaginary awful women. I've got songs about imaginary awful women on these last two albums. The This new one uh, coming out, they call me Uncle Mick. I've uh, got a song about my woman, she's so mean. I just had fun with that. Well, let's um, go back to I'm Just Getting Started. Um, mm-hmm. You've got a whole bunch of Memphis musicians joining you on that one, haven't you? Yes. Oh, absolutely. You know, it's a bla- I moved to Memphis, as you know, uh, about a year and a half ago after my wife passed away. Uh, I'd always lived close to Memphis. It was a 90-minute drive. Now it's a nine-minute drive to get anywhere in Memphis, as you know. Mm. So that puts me not only in walking distance of, of three t- different great recording studios, but in personal contact with so many musicians who I knew, but I'd never worked with. So this gave me a chance to really step up and, and, and get involved with more people. I did bring in a ringer, a couple of them on, on this album, uh, Dexter Allen, who's a, a dear friend and an amazing musician. He was Bobby Rush's guitar player for, uh, for several years. He's got a great career on his own now, but he started out as a bass player. So I asked him to play bass. He also sat in on guitar in a couple of the songs. And I brought in one of my favorite drummers, John Blackman. And then we just started inviting other folks in. This album has got, uh, it's the first that we'll call tri- or, or contemporary blues as opposed to the traditional blues that I've, I've kind of lived in. Because I've got some soul blues and a little more R&B and some things that stretch out a little bit. But it's still, the stories still matter. But I'm I'm so proud of this album because... Production-wise, it's it's just the best we've ever done. 
and writing out into some some fun musical areas. Uh, the song Alibis and Lies has got a, a real jazzy feel to it. We had so much fun doing that. With all these other musicians coming in, did you just show them the rough idea and then just sit back and let them develop the song? Oh, yeah. That's quite often what we do is I'll have a rough idea. Jeff Jensen and I will work out the basic arrangements for the songs. And then we'll sit down with the musicians and say, okay, what do you think? What do you want? This is the way I think the bass line should go, but you're playing bass. What would you like to do with it? Mm. And uh, we just see where it goes. And, and I've done that for quite a while now. It'll still, you know, what ends up being recorded is going to be 90% of what I thought originally. And then this 10% of magic that the other guys bring in. And I bring them in because of that. You know, I brought John Blackman in because I needed him to play drums the way he played on these songs i had some other songs that that other people were on because i wanted their style in fact rick steff who's who's we call him a national treasure as a as a uh, keyboard player he's just amazing uh, but i wanted when i did uh leaving trunk with brandon santini on this album we said you know chris stevenson can just get so funky with that hammond organ let's bring chris in on this and so we'll do that, you know, rather than just having the same group, uh, bring them in for what they can do. Brad Webb uh, sets a slide guitar on fire. And, you know, several guys that can play slide, but sometimes you need Brad Webb. So, <laughs> <laughs> and, and I, I love it. it. It's funny, on this one, we we were rehearsing, because I've got a, a, a rehearsal space here at my house, and so it's fully set up for the band. So we're rehearsing, and we went out to see uh another friend vince johnson playing and all the guys knew vince and while they were while they were playing in fact they brought me up on stage to uh, to sing with them which is something that happens often in in memphis you know you see a fellow artist and you pull them up on stage and do just some work with them mm. uh, but i did that song leaving trunk with vince's band and they just started getting really funky with it and we said oh that's the way we're gonna do this song <laughs> and it totally changed it that night so on the way home on the way back said okay yeah we're gonna we're gonna if, if you listen to that we're actually using the bass line from standing on shaky ground which is not what taj mahal thought when he first recorded that song <laughs> so was it recorded live on the floor then no no what we did was we just you know took that inspiration and came back and worked out the arrangement i'm trying to think i don't think there's anything well there's a couple of tracks on that that uh album that were essentially recorded live because the first take there was we had it but we generally will put it together in pieces record the rhythm section make sure that's solid and then bring the other people in rather than we work in small studios so rather than bringing 25 people in and trying to create all at once we'll bring them in a couple people at a time mm. and then you've got this new one coming out they call me uncle mick which is 100 yes. acoustic C correct the only instrument that was plugged in to anything was the vibraphone because it has these baffles that rotate to get that vi vibration sound <laughs> but everything else an upright bass uh all acoustic guitars is that a project you wanted to do for a while yes it, it is i did another acoustic album a few years ago called the blind lemon sessions and uh i started recording that in germany with thomas schleichen and blind lemon records he asked me to cut a couple of songs for an album and i liked what we had going so we came back here and continued it and that album was 100 percent acoustic 
also did an acoustic album with Mark Telesco that was all Beatles songs done as acoustic blues. And so I've always loved that because you can do so much. It gives you limitations, which lets you get creative. It's creativity needs some structure around it. Otherwise, it's chaos. So when we set the rules, this is going to be totally acoustic. You've got to get creative in terms of getting the sounds that you want. So it's a lot of fun. You know, most acoustic blues albums are a single artist playing a guitar and singing. This has it's got a band. There's upright bass and drums and multiple guitars and pianos and, and harmonica. We've got three harmonica players on this album. And Eric Hughes, of course. Eric has been on every one of my albums. Watermelon Slim sings and plays harmonica on one of the songs with me. Uh, we did a bluesy version of the song Woodstock, and Slim has always loved it when I played that on in my shows. Um, and then I was lucky enough to find this... Uh, this old blues man to sit in and, and play some harmonica on, on uh, uh, an acoustic version of a song I'd done earlier called Wasted Youth. And I got a guy by the name of Bobby Rush. You may have heard him uh, <laughs> playing on it. Uh, also very lucky to have a friend here in town, Doug McLeod, came in and played on two of the songs. And, you know, Chris Gill, this, this was a real pleasure that, again, got these amazing musical friends and I'm going to gonna use them whenever i can <laughs> well i should be seeing doug on the first of september it's his first gig in the uk and i'm so looking forward to it oh he is he's he's such a storyteller uh he's he's a dear friend i we, we just got together the other day it's nice he lives here in town and uh both of us have children who had cancer and, and 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 survived it so we kind of bonded together at that level quite a while ago when that was going on He's just he's he's just a pleasure to be around. A great guy and some of the funniest stories you're going to hear. So I'm jealous. I might come <laughs> over. Well, <to> you. <laughs> you say that uh, some of the songs on this new album, they call me Uncle Mick. You performed for some time now. So is this like a collection of your favorites, or were some songs written for this album? Well, there were a couple of songs that were written for the album. That my woman, she's so mean, and uh, and used to be are two songs that were written for this this album. Again, I wanted that mean woman song, and when I when I came up with the line, she's so mean. One time I saw her scare a snake. I knew I had the song that I needed. And then the song used to be came up. Uh, I was having just a, a discussion with a guy who who promoted my Christmas album to jazz radio, and uh, he was asking about a, a form that I I said, well, geez, I mailed that to you weeks ago i said i sent it again i said postal service sure ain't what it used to be and he said you know that'd make a pretty good song so that's how that started so as you listen to the song i i finally get to the point where i realize well i'm not even what i used to be so. <laughs> which is a sort of contradiction to the previous album I'm just getting started but then again it's evolution she was a yeah it, it is and you know it, it and i call that album i'm just getting it's my 11th album and I thought, you know, it's it's a good time to say, okay, yeah, okay, yeah, I've, I've got 10 albums behind me, but I'm just getting started. Watch what I'm going to do. I've got some things you haven't seen yet. I haven't had a chance to bring these aspects of music in. And so I'm having fun with that. Well, and uh, th this album I'll be, I'll be coming out with in, in December, it's all love songs, it'll be called For the Feral Heart. It's got reggae and honest calypso on it, as well as, <laughs> as other things. So it goes all over the place. <laughs> you, you mentioned earlier the, the Beatles covers album. 
Yes. Um, I'm sure I've asked this question before. Would you do another one of those either with Beatles songs or another artist? Oh, certainly. Uh, in fact, I've, I've, I've played with an idea of, you know, I like to take songs and find the blues that are hidden in them. I call them doing uncovers. And that was the whole point of the Beatles thing is that, that you know, that Lennon was a slide guitar player and loved it. And McCartney talked about how they tried to get a blues feeling. Yeah, Ringo said that his ideal job would have been to play drums for Lightning Hopkins. So these these guys were, were blues oriented anyway. The, the funny thing is that I wanted to take songs that were not so obviously blues, like Your Blues or... Oh, even even uh, uh, get back or, or come together. Those are those just grip blues. Uh, so finding the blues was hidden in it. So I, I wanted to do an album called "I Didn't Know That Was Blues," and to do to do uh, blues versions of songs like "Should I Stay or Should I Go." Mm. Uh, uh, what if Jackie Wilson saying, "I still haven't found what I'm looking for." Yes. <laughs> There's a whole lot of songs out there that in and, and I mean, half of the Motown catalog can be turned into blues. I did on an album, uh, Taylor Made Blues. I did I thought, what if BB King played I Can't Get Next to You? And so that and then I, my first blues album I did The Letter as a blues song. So that's that's something I love to do. And you know, I have done it with James Taylor songs uh here and there. So to do an entire album of that it's something I thought about. Uh, now, I could probably go back. Certainly the Beatles catalog has enough. I could go back and grab another dozen songs and, and, and do them that way. And I might. And since I found out that John Lennon and I actually have a great, great, great grandfather in common. Right. Uh, that was that was uh, his sister, Julia. When we found that out, that was so funny. I said, OK, now now I'll introduce you to my daughter. Uh, this is her oldest daughter, Abby Rose, and then then Zoe Lennon. <laughs> I raised Beatles fans, <laughs> and now we know why. But um, oh yeah, there, there's. Uh, I love to find the blues that are hidden in in songs, and 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 really, you know, bring that out. Uh, this album, well, on on, I'm just getting started. Uh, I do the the Pacific Gas and Electric song. Are you ready? And made that a little more gospely, but like I said, I've done James Taylor songs in the past and I've got a Hank Williams song on, they call me uncle Mick. Um, I'm so lonesome. I could cry and I turned it into a minor key blues song, well, but that... I turned jingle bells into a blues song. So, <laughs> Well, uh, the, the Christmas album got some massive airplay last year, didn't it? You must be oh, so proud it, of that one. Well, again, it was the number one R and B Christmas album in America. It was the number three holiday album. I beat Nora Jones by two slots. I mean, this is silly. This is silly. And this was just getting together. And, you know, it's when we were, we had recorded it. And, and that was, again, the song, The Best Christmas Ever, was one that the band just kind of took and ran with it. And I loved where it went, so I went along with them. <laughs> and, and it really got to a great place. And that was because the other musicians, you know, said, God, what if we do this? But that album, uh, we started out lighthearted. Let's just have a lot of fun with it. And once we started mixing it and said, oh, my God, this stuff is really good. <laughs> we actually took one song off that it was such a tongue in cheek inside joke that it and, and we had intended that was going to be the opening track in the album. And it would have been just for deep blues insiders for it to make any sense at all 
And we listened to it and said, you know, this album's going to have legs. And if we open the album up with that song, we've just amputated its legs. So we left that, <laughs> off. We left that off and went out with it. And uh, I still have people that tell me that, that Mariah Carey should pay me for what I did for her song. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, so I don't know, you know, maybe we'll do a Hanukkah album next. I'm not sure. Uh, <laughs> I'm just getting started. That has massive airplay recently as well. It's up there in the charts. You know, I'm, I'm, it, it's doing well here. It's doing amazingly uh, in, in, I, I see I'm in, in the, the top 20 in the UK independent blues albums and doing quite well. My stuff does very, very well overseas, better than it does here. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, and I, and I don't do badly here. It's, it's delightful to get the reviews and say, but, but when we see an album coming in from Mick Colossa, it goes to the top of the stack. That's it. And, my album "Wasted Youth" finished in the top ten in virtually every major European country. I'm gonna have so to... I got to get over there. I got to get over there. <laughs> you, you have indeed. You have indeed. Um, I'm gonna have to cut this short because just busy, busy times. But thank you so mm -hmm. much for taking time out to talk to us. Thank you. It's always good to catch up with you and get back over here. <laughs> I, I, I got to get over there. I, I, yeah, I need to get there, and you need to come over here. Um, mm -hmm. But good luck with the new album. Like, thank you like you need it honestly yeah <laughs> but i do i do need to get over there i've got a drummer in exeter just waiting for me <laughs> well we lucy look, lucy kate piper she's great we look forward to seeing you sometime and we look forward to plenty more releases from you mick it's always a you pleasure. got it thank you my friend you take care of yourself and you take care bye-bye bye-bye <laughs> And I hope you enjoyed that little interview there. And there will be more as we record more for the show. And we are going to delve into the archives and pull some of the old ones out as well. So plenty more to come. And of course, if you want to hear the whole show, there is always Listen Again. I'll see you next time. Take care.